I don't know Varel at all, but it just seems like he has come in and I, I can't believe that somebody who is as professional as he clearly is, is this poor at communication. Hello and welcome to another episode of FC Wald, still the only English-speaking podcast for, by and about FC Köln fans from around the world. Since it is Carnival currently, dreimal Kölle alaf, Kölle, FC, Podcast. My name is Robert, and today I have a pregame episode for you. Yes, that is usually not the thing that I do on this podcast, since the focus lies more on fans and fan culture. But since we are playing VfB Stuttgart on Saturday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, I thought, why not? And who could be a better guest than Travis, a U.S. soccer fan who is part of the VfB Stuttgart Americana Group, which is also a podcast. It's an official fan club of the Schwaben Club with uh, fans in more than 27 states I saw on their website. And it is also, as I said, a podcast run by Travis, Matt, Jeffrey and Austin. If you don't know it, check it out. It is definitely worth a listen. They have released uh, 73 episodes so far and are still going strong. So without further ado, I give you Travis. Travis, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me on here. I, I do disagree, though. I'm sure there are a lot of much more qualified people you could talk to to get insight into <laughs> any kind of Stuttgart news at all. As we like to say on our program, we are unofficial, uninformed, and usually unprepared. So if you're looking for information from an American who can't speak German thousands of miles away from Stuttgart, we're your podcast. But still, I mean, you uh, seem to have a clear passion for soccer. So uh, do the other members of your uh, fan club. For everyone listening, I am uh, looking at my Zoom window here and behind Travis is a, a VfB Stuttgart flag with a cutout shield of the club. Then there is a signed soccer ball. Then we have a uh, what looks like a, a, like a certificate and a player's uh, poster or what, whatever it is with like a, a game ticket. What is it? Yeah, it's the game ticket when Jeff and I went in 2018, the program of the match that we saw in Stuttgart, they hosted at that time Hamburg and ended up, it was a 1-1 draw. And that is Daniel Ginchak, who currently plays for Nuremberg on the cover. And he actually scored the goal of the uh, the match. And as you talk about fan culture, if there's something that I explain to everybody who is an American sports fan, and I try to explain to them about the Bundesliga is if you have the opportunity to go to a match, like so many of the Cologne American supporters are right now so lucky to be there, and they're actually going to go to a Stuttgart match as well, very jealous of that. If you ever have the opportunity to go to a match in the Bundesliga, it will change the way you see sport. It'll change the way you see fan interaction, supporter interaction. And I have to say, I was a big supporter prior to the first match I went. But after that match, 
I think you talk to anybody, I'm not unique, you are hooked. And that just started a rabbit hole into one of the most dysfunctional clubs in all the Bundesliga that <laughs> despite all the issues, I, I would I would never take it back. I would never go back in the time machine and pick another club um, through the ups and downs and a lot of downs. You know, uh, they're still my club, still love them. And uh, hoping, hoping for a little bit of a result this Saturday against all odds. We'll see. Okay, what well, before we get to that, um, let's start at the beginning. So uh, I know that Schwaben are everywhere. Um, how did you find uh, your way to VfB Stuttgart? Uh, like a lot of American supporters, it is either traced back to you went to school in that area, you worked in that area, or I think like a lot of us, you traced your lineage back to a particular area in Germany. And For me and my family, it was pretty easy for us to figure out where we came from. Our last name is pretty unique. Hasselsword is our last name. And so we were able to trace it back to an area right outside of Stuttgart. And for me, it was that simple. Um, I know for Matt, who's on the podcast, it was more along the line of he was trying to find a club that was more traditional, that had a link to where he had gone to school. Rob, who's on the podcast, he had uh, done some study abroad there. So everybody's got a different angle on it. But for me, it was it, it tied back to my family history. They were a club with a rich history, a rich tradition. Uh, they certainly weren't a front runner at all. So it would have been a lot easier to be a Bayern fan, obviously, or a Dortmund fan at the time, as they were doing very well. But once I got into the club culture, the 50 plus one aspect of it and all the other things that go around Bundesliga uh, football. I just, I dived right in and I went right in. And I think you mentioned, you know, Schwab and culture. It's the club represents a culture that my family is a part of, you know, we originally come from that area. We are very miserly and we penny pinch and we, um, do a lot of the things that the Schwabens are known for. So it just fit right in and um, I've never looked back. So for me, it was as simple as is that. And plus, I mean, who doesn't love a red stripe across their jersey? I mean, come on, it's iconic. I mean, yeah, the uh, the red and the white color combo. Yeah, I, I can't say anything bad about that as a Cologne fan myself. So, um, but yeah, you said it, uh, Schwaben are everywhere and uh, you took that culture with you. We're in carnival season, so Cologne is uh, completely turned on its head these days until uh, next Wednesday when carnival ends and uh, Lent starts. Um, in Schwaben, it's uh, called Fastnacht, um, which is the Schwabian Alemannic Fastnacht. Um, are you celebrating? Do you know anybody in the U.S. who's celebrating? I don't, but it's interesting you mentioned that. Where I'm from in Cleveland, there's actually a there's two areas, one in Cleveland and one in Akron, that is no, the Donnerschwaben, which were people who uh, had left Europe to come to the United States, and they have created clubs and organizations over in the United States. And so while I don't uh, practice it myself, the Schwaben clubs in Cleveland and in Akron, two of the major cities in the northern part of Ohio, are having festivities and having activities. And one of the members of our OFC, Doug, who's uh, also our sporting director in charge of our games, he's partaken in a number of these. And uh, it's everything you think it would be. It's a party atmosphere. The food is great. The beverages are great. Um, so I'm jealous of Doug. I definitely have to... Uh, 
see if I can get some permission from my my kiddos. My I've got three little ones running around uh, to, to head over there. But like you said, it's interesting that maybe not a lot of people have heard about the shoe garter SA cologne, but there's so many of us over here who have roots back there that there is a lot of natural links that I think if the Bundesliga wanted to tie into, they could grasp, you know, quite a, quite a few people. So it's um, like I said, just up in this area alone, you've got two clubs that um, are Schwaben, which you ask somebody, you'd be like, that's nuts. That's kind of crazy, but it's, it's crazy cool too. Are they uh, doing uh, in the U in the U.S. The, the, um, the society there that you mentioned? Are they doing all of these intense costumes and parades as well? No, they don't seem to do as much of that. It's more um, of a food and beverage, dance, and things like that. And I'm curious. Maybe you can answer the question on this: Is is it more of a cologne aspect? versus a Stuttgart aspect, more of a Northern Germany versus a Southern Germany. Although I know Mainz is big into it too. So mm -hmm. I don't know if as the Schwaben groups came to the United States, they toned things down a little bit to try to fit in a little bit more, but it's, it's a lot calmer than the pictures I've seen, especially over in Mainz and especially over in Cologne. I mean, well, Cologne and uh, Mainz are, and Düsseldorf, uh, we have to mention as well, they also have big carnival celebrations there. Uh, but that is kind of uh, like, it, it has a completely different atmosphere because it's kind of more joyous, a little bit more colorful. But when you look at, for instance, I recommend to all of the listeners, if you don't know what the Schwabian uh, Fasnach is about, to just look it up and look up the parades because that is intense stuff. It, you can't bring your kids to those parades if they are uh, not used to kind of like a horror, ghoulish stuff. Because what you see there is the full-on heathen tradition and the heathen roots of carnival. You have all of these people in uh, fur costumes, and I'm not talking about like the modern manga fur costumes. These are like werewolf-ish creatures with... Uh, wooden masks that are deformed that are like demonic or devilish and uh it's very distorted and it's really uh like a nightmare well the function is to scare away the old ghosts of the the past year so they're doing a good job of that but it's it's pretty pretty intense when you have a parade of uh gargoyles and uh ghouls and demons walking by and they're not the friendly kind yeah, very Teutonic, very German, right? To be very efficient in everything. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, it really, it really depends where you where you go. There are always slightly uh, different ways. Uh, I think even if you go to a bigger city or you go to a smaller village, the traditions will vastly differ in the way that carnival is uh, visually represented. You know, but uh, that's interesting. I I really like the the aspects of uh, food, dance, music, getting together. Uh, sadly, I mean, here in the U.S., most of the time when you uh, see something German represented, it's Bavarian. Um, so, um, I mean, even like it, it could be a little bit Franconian, but most of it is Bavarian. And I think there's just so much more that uh, could be done there, but maybe someday. But let's go back to soccer. And uh, I would say we have talked about a little bit of uh, about Schwaben and everything, but... Um, Stuttgart versus Cologne. Traditionally interesting, uh, two big clubs. Um, uh, 
Cologne likes to play uh, Stuttgart. Um, and one of the games that I immediately had to think of was uh, last season, last game day, last minutes of the game. Um, to paint a picture, uh, Stuttgart was uh, on the relegation uh, relegation playoff spot three points behind Hertha and then uh there was a cross by I think it was Ito right to to Endo and Endo heads it or kicks it into the goal in the 92nd minute for the 2-1 win against Cologne um and that saved uh VfB Stuttgart the Klassenerhalt so staying up in the league so uh congrats and welcome <laughs> well, yeah the you are a, a couple things here. You're mentioning the one and only bright spot of 2022, <laughs> by the way. Now, the second thing is I'm only going to answer questions this podcast that refer to match day 34 in May 22. That's it. Nothing else I'm going to talk about. It was uh, it was funny you mentioned that because as this match is coming up, the the news on the Valpy you know, supporters Twitter has all been about match day 34. You know, Omar Marmouche, corner into Ito, Ito flicking it to Endo, Endo somehow getting it past Schweba, who's one of the, just in my opinion, one of the best goalkeepers in the Bundesliga. Mm -hmm. The play's going bonkers, bananas. The officials giving the crowd, or I should say the players, minutes, minutes to to celebrate. So much time just recognizing the moment that had just taken place and just how that scene in itself sums up the Bundesliga, right, in a second. Just this is why it's so much different. I won't say better, I, but different than American sports because that fear of relegation, which unfortunately we're scared of again, it is such a dramatic play in any season. And for that to happen was crazy. My best friend Jeff, who's on the podcast, he traveled to Cleveland to be here, so we were together to watch the match on TV when Endo scored that goal. The whole neighborhood heard me scream and, uh, you know, just joy as it happened. Uh, and we were just so excited because it was a crescendo of happiness and joy. And all of us as Stuttgart supporters really thought that was going to be the leapfrog into bigger and better things in 2022, 2023, that we had had a really good first season when we came up from the Zweite Liga, like most teams or a lot of teams tend to do. And we struggled mightily our second season, which traditionally a lot of new teams tend to do. And we had survived. And we had survived playing attractive, fun football that was sometimes frustrating, but with players we loved, coaches we loved, management we loved. And maybe loved is too strong of a word, but all of those players we supported and were behind. All that, the coaches and the management. And of course, I'm glossing over, you know, not everybody's always 100% on board. But for the most part, that's what you saw. And so after that match day, it just seemed like the, the light was at the end of the tunnel, the path, the way, as we like to call it in Stuttgart, was set. And good things were coming our way. That year three was going to be our year. And um, that's why all I want to talk about is match day 34. And I don't <laughs> want to talk about anything else. Well, I mean, uh, there, there was a lot of... Um hope for that because i mean really since um 
I think, yeah, since uh, 2013, I think that was the last time when Stuttgart was really high in the DFB Pokal, I think came in second, right? Um, since then, it was really just like a slippery slope, always kind of like sliding down, going down to the uh, to the second division, then uh, getting promoted, then sliding off again for a second time. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the hope was there. And I even think uh, with a coach like uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo, uh, there was hope. I mean, I still like him, uh, and I hope that he had a chance to to stay up uh, longer with with Stuttgart. But um, give me your thoughts. Like, what was your uh, expectation of uh, Stuttgart uh, coming into the the new season, and how has it changed since then? Yeah, it, we went into the season thing. We we would be solidly lower mid table. As Sven Mislintat, our sporting director, said at some point, 13th place is our first place. You know, setting the expectations relatively low, but relatively realistically. And so we thought, okay, it's going to be a rough go, but it's 12, 13 is a fair estimation, considering the talent the team has. And through bad luck, bad injuries, uh, selling some players that could have made some big difference, that has become a pipe dream at this place. And now it's looking more like 15th or 16th place is our first, our first place. I think it's important for people to realize, you know, as I'm also a history teacher in my, uh, my off time, in my, my day job, I, you will. And that's one of the reasons I love the Bundesliga because it's just so rich in history is Stuttgart is a traditional club that's been around uh, forever. And they've been relatively successful, especially in Southern Germany forever. And just looking at the 21st century, in the 2000s, they were successful. They won the Bundesliga. They were in Champions League play. Even in the early 2010s, they had some success. But like a lot of clubs, there was kind of decay from within. There was signing players that were a little older, maybe getting a little too greedy with how much money they actually had versus what they would bring in. And so 2012, 2013, things were starting to fall apart a little bit, even though they still made the Pokal final finale and all that and then the next five six years were just trying to avoid relegation over and over again and eventually they were not you know able to avoid that and about the mid 2000 through 2010s the club underwent a major cultural shift in terms of are they going to be a club strictly or are they going to be a club and split off into a business as well like you see a lot of clubs in, in germany do and this might get into when we talk about uh, later, one of the common themes that we have is Alexander Verrill, who was once in charge of uh, Cologne and now is in charge of Stuttgart. How we got to him really gets traced back to the mid 2000s and the turmoil the club was under that kind of started not because of Bruno Labadia, who's currently our coach, but he may have been the face of it. And the fact that he is back again as our head coach is just all the more sweet if you're looking for drama and you're looking for irony and everything like that. But to answer your question shortly, the season has been nothing less than disappointing. And whether it's bad luck, it's bad injuries, missed chances, whatever you want to say, the club is where it's at right now. And it's third coach of the season in 17th place and really needing a couple of results in the next two matches to get some hope which is what I thought we had match day 34. Yeah, in a, in a way, uh, Cologne and Stuttgart always, I feel like, have some uh, 
paths where they cross where they're in similar situations but lately uh cologne has been avoiding the mistakes that uh uh, with all due respect, but that Stuttgart is making or the problems that they're having. I mean, you're really, as you said, like going through a rough patch also with with injuries uh, is really tough and being unstable when it comes to like keeping a coach uh, in a job and have them develop a, a clear path. But um, what's your thought on Baumgart? It's interesting. I loved the way he played when he coached Paderborn when they were in the Bundesliga. I loved his approach of this is the way we're play, we play, and this is just the way we're going to play. And they had some crazy awesome results, like when they beat Dortmund, even though they were all but relegated towards the end of his first season there. When he came to Cologne, because Jeff, who's on the podcast, is such a huge supporter of the club, and we've actually seen a match in Cologne uh, against Mainz years ago, that I didn't think his system would work with the players you have. I just didn't see it. I didn't think the quality was strong enough for his system to work. And I have been proven 100% incorrect that it's just, it's crazy to me that a guy that plays that attacking style is able to get the results out of a club that I just don't see the individual quality that Stuttgart has. And maybe I'm being, I'm looking at it through Stuttgart colored glasses right now but i look at our two rosters and i think okay stuart has a much more quality roster but cologne has a much more quality team and those are two completely different things as it turns out and i think a lot of that i think all of that goes to Baumgart. he's been able to convince these guys this is the way we're going to play we're going to run, 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 run and then you're going to run some more and i'm going to scream my full head off and we're going to just go for it. And he's gotten the cities to buy into it. He's gotten the supporters to buy into it. And most importantly, he's gotten, you know, players, whether it's Hector Skiri to buy into it. And the results aren't crazy amazing, but they play fun football. The supporters are hundred percent behind them and they're getting results to where they're now mid, you know, mid table bit. I just, I hats off. Uh, you know, bowling hat off, as it were, to Baumgart because I just didn't think he had the players to implement the system he wanted to use there. And at this point, I'm jealous because I look at what he's doing versus what ha- is happening for my club. And I'm like, maybe it's as simple as that. You just need a coach, a manager who is able to implement, communicate his system and guys buy in. And there you go. I Nothing but praise for the way he plays. Um, the hats he wears, the results they've had, um, everything. I'm just really surprised. And if he doesn't get coach of the year soon, it'll be a travesty. I think the guy, the guy's awesome. There's what's not the love. I don't know. I mean, uh, on the one end, uh, he's selling his brand very well, right? It's that simple, straightforward Berlin guy who's no bullshit. And, um, I think that is also, uh, what, what you said that, uh, gets to the players very quickly like there's no complicated play he wants simple play and wants to break it down to simple soccer and I mean well we still have to to deal with the the curse of uh, playing Europe and then getting relegated uh, which has happened every time but um, even with key players like Ashan, uh somebody like Modest who's really been 
pushed on the, or put on the pedestal for a long time again after returning. It, it's very, very difficult um, to to deal uh, with that. They, they seem to kind of have done that. And well, I'm personally very surprised at how things have been going um, this year so far unbeaten. Um, I think, well, yeah, the, the last uh, loss that we had uh, was actually the friendly in Austin against Stuttgart, <laughs> where uh, Cologne lost uh, two to four. Um, and that was actually pretty good. The, the game before that uh, in the Hinrunde um, of this season was a nil-nil in Cologne. Um, Pfeiffer got a red card. Otherwise, uh, it was... It was a rough game, if I remember correctly. What were your thoughts on that game? That was really the beginning of the end for us. I mean, I don't want to talk like the season's over because it certainly is not. But it was another game where we couldn't get results, even though we had clear-cut chances, we had opportunities. I would argue we, Stuttgart, played a bit better in that match, even being a man down with Lucas red card. And then Pellegrino got a double yellow and he, he got sent off into the stands. I, we just, we played well. We couldn't get a result. We couldn't finish our chances. And that's been the story of this team the last two and a half seasons, really. It's just, we've had opportunities. We're up there when it comes to chances and we can't finish them. I, whether it's lack of quality, whether it's lack of maturity, I don't know what the answer is, but there was that string of results in the beginning of the season where we had draws or uh, late draws against Bremen and then a draw against you guys that you could see us walking out of there instead of with one point with three. And at this point in the season, that's how crazy it is, is Cologne's having a great season, but they're not that far up the table. And had Stuttgart gotten two or three results, let's say six points, four points, everybody's looking at the season completely differently, in my opinion. Um, but it was just another just example of Stuttgart playing well under Pellegrino, playing exciting football under Pellegrino, but not able to finish the chances. And one of the frequent uh, contributors to our podcast, Rob, mentions this all the time. What do you expect a coach to do when you continue to sell all the talented players? And I could go through a litany of players that we have sold from Nigo Gonzalez to Kalajic, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. that are no longer with the club. What do you, what are you supposed to do when these guys, when these guys are gone? So I, I think that's a valid point, which is going back to Baumgart a bit, why I'm impressed. He was able to absorb the loss of Anthony Modest, who for a number of years was the heart and soul of that club in good ways and bad ways sometimes bad, you know, when he left, it seemed like everything just kind of caved in. Um, he was able to absorb the loss of that. And, like I never expected he would. And we haven't been able to absorb the loss of Sasha Kalajic, who was our, our main goal threat over those, those years or Gregor Cobell. And I think maybe that's, a, it's as simple as that is you guys have a goalkeeper in Shueva who is lights out. We had a goalkeeper in Gregor Cobell who was lights out. We sold him, and the player we brought in just hasn't been able to match up to what Gregor Cobell could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we sold Sasha Kalajic, we weren't able to fix that hole. And so maybe it's as simple as that, is you guys have a goalkeeper and a coach with a system. We don't have a goalkeeper or a coach with a system that fits the players. But, yeah, that first – 
half of the season, that match in particular was just an epitome of what it's been like to be a Stuttgart fan all these this season. Lots yeah. of chances, but no results. Yeah, and that's interesting. I mean, uh, let's go quickly onto the stats with the goalkeeper. Uh, I mean, Stuttgart is now the only Bundesliga team that uh, has only one game without receiving a goal, uh, whereas Cologne is... Uh, in the last uh, couple of uh, games, well, all the games uh, in the Bundesliga of this year, uh, just allowing two goals. So, uh, yeah, that I think goes to your point about uh, Schwebe and Bredlow. And yeah, uh, Bruno Labadia, I mean, also a former Köln uh, striker. He played for Cologne in 94 to 96, I think, and uh, scored like probably over. 20 goals at that time so kind of like a yeah like a a, a good uh respectable player for for fc still but uh looking at his uh, coach stats like he spent less than a year at Hertha bsc then a year and a half at wolfsburg before that a year and a half at hamburg um and then just about uh three years with stuttgart between uh 2010 and 2013 and um yeah i mean well you still have uh great players that uh like Mavrapana, Sosa, uh Endo, Silas, uh and Fürich. I mean, they're not bad at all. I mean, the question is really can Sosa play? I think he, I I was absolutely impressed with him in the last season. It was pretty amazing what he did, but I'm curious to to see how that goes whereas uh Cologne, I mean, we just have one change in our roster which is Hubas who's out with a, a fifth yellow. Uh, so we will probably see uh, Soldo uh, back in the defense line. But other than that, it's typical Baumgart. You you get what you expect. It's uh, not a secret. It's probably Schwebe, Schmidt, Soldo, Chabo, and Hector in the back. And then midfield with Skiri, uh, uh, Thielmann, Hussein Basic, uh, Kainz, and Meiner uh, on the outside. And Tigges at the front. I would not expect any kind of change there. Uh, Davy Zelke might be back actually after his uh, curious injuries there. Uh, Dijan Lubicic is also back. Um, and then we have a new player. And I think that is something, um, the depth of the Cologne roster is something that uh, really saved our butts uh, a couple of times when we had uh, problems with injuries. Because um, I think it was uh, in an interview with uh, one of the, the, the coaches, um, he explained that really they planned on if a player is not able to play they want to have at least two or three guys just to be able to move up and th that is the case right now um Peterson is um out with a long-term injury and so in the back we still have a little bit of a problem so uh they just moved up uh Elias uh uh to from the U19 he's like a six foot four 18 year old born in cologne like since his youth since he was a little kid and so he could you can just pull him up uh, and i think that is something that is not just Baumgart, but that is the long-term strategy of cologne like creating that academy and bringing up those young players uh which also then can be great for uh generating uh some more money if we uh decide to transfer them to other clubs and get some some money for that which brings me to Valle again, another Cologne-Stuttgart uh, connection here. Uh, your thoughts on Alexander Valle so far? It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. He just did an interview with one of the really 
uh, good Stuttgart podcast is around them roostering, uh, which I'm interested to translate and try to uh, hear what he said with them. But it's been uh, chaotic. It's been just up and well, it's been down since he, he got here. And I think this goes back to what I said earlier is to understand how Veril got here, you have to go back to like 2016. So Stuttgart was relegated back then. Wolfgang Dietrich came in and was the president of the club. And during the second league season, basically said, listen, if we are ever going to be competitive again, we have to split the club into an AG and an EV. Basically, there'll be a club and there'll also be a business that runs the football team. And it was very controversial, but by a very landslided vote of about 80 to 20, the proposition passed. And so Valve Bay became kind of a split uh, situation, like a lot of clubs in, in Germany are. This isn't, you know, like they're the only one that does this. A lot of them do. During the years that followed, though, it came out that the club had shared data from the members to various advertising businesses to try to smooth over the voting of this. And I don't know a ton about this, but I know the Germans were super upset about their privacy being shared. That ultimately led to the supporters being against him. And there was an issue of transparency that he didn't seem to have. And so at one of the members meetings, he was essentially voted out. Now, he resigned, but the writing was on the wall. The person who replaced him, Klaus Vogt, ran on a issue and a platform of transparency. I'm going to find out about the data affair. I'm going to be very transparent about everything. And so everybody was very happy that he ended up in charge. During the chaos, a player, Tomas Hitzelsberger, who was a hero in Stuttgart, became the CEO of sport, kind of because we didn't have anybody else. He wasn't super prepared for it, but he was in charge. Fast forward to uh, around 2019-2020, there's a power struggle between Hitzelsberger and between Klaus Vogt. And to most of the supporters, it seemed like Hitzelsberger was trying to take over too much. And so he was publicly basically humil humiliated, and Klaus Vogt won, which most of us supporters were pretty happy with. Hitzelsberger is going to walk away during 2022. As he walks away and Klaus Vogt wins, the person who replaces Hitzelsberger is Alexander Verrill. He comes in. And nobody really paid too much attention to it in the spring of 2022 because we were in a relegation dogfight. It just was a very dramatic, as you know, it didn't end until match day 34. So everybody's very happy. But then over the course of the summer, the contract extension for Sven Mlissentot, who is our sporting director, wasn't being extended. And nobody could really understand why, because for three years, the club had basically followed his path of getting young players, a lot of young French players, as it turned out, and playing attacking football. And that's the way we were going to go. In fact, we called it the way in Stuttgart. Fast forward to the fall, and Veril brought in three really impressive players, former players, Sammy Kadira, a Stuttgart legend, Bundesliga legend, Christian Gettner, a local uh, legend, and Philip Long, a Bundesliga star, to be advisors, which should have been a huge coup for him. But he didn't tell Sven Mislintat that these guys were going to be working under him. So the press conference, which should have been this huge win for Verrill, 
came off as, well, to use a current term, just a, a carnival, a circus. People were like, how does Mislintat not know about this? Now, Veryl later apologized and said, yeah, I should have let him know. But I'm his boss, and I can do those things. So it seemed like everything was getting patched up, but the results weren't there on the pitch. And Veryl made a very now, in Stuttgart, famous quote that it's the results that matter. The season wrapped up, and it, or at some point, it was decided to let go of Pellegrino. The results just weren't there. And whether it was Sven that said it, whether it was Sven and Veryl that said it, I that's where we're not really sure about it. So we're we're in mid-October of 2022 right now, right? Correct. This yeah. current season. So Pellegrino goes away, and we have an interim coach, Mich Michi Vimmer, who comes in. During this process, they can't hire a new coach. And I say can't because they just don't. They, there's rumors there's a couple of coaches they're going to hire that run a similar system to what Pellegrino has, but they didn't do it. So then the season first half ends and the club comes to America. So now we're in November. They still haven't hired a new coach. So they come and play in America. And we heard through the grapevine that everybody who had come to America was getting fired. So they were just having a good time. Oh, God. <laughs> so then they go back to Germany the next week. And sure enough, everybody gets fired. Now, whether they got fired or they didn't accept the terms that Veryl gave them, you know, it's tit for tat, 50-50, whatever. So they finally fire Mislintat. And then they now they look for a new coach. So Bruno Labadia comes out of really nowhere to be the new coach. And then they hire a new sporting director in Volgamut, who by all accounts is pretty good. But you have this really weird situation where they waited so long to get rid of everybody and then waited so long to replace the people they got rid of that in Bruno's defense, they were really behind the eight ball in implementing whatever system he wants to implement. And from a sporting perspective, and I know I'm droning on at this point, so I'll wrap it up here, is that Bruno tends to play a very specific system, a 4-3-3, a 4-4-2. The club was built to play a 3-5-2, three at the back. And we're kind of at that point now where it looks like we're trying to put a lot of round pegs into square holes, and it's just not working. And everybody's getting very defensive to the point where Bruno said, no, this, this team is a back four team. And so to get back to Veryl, that's a long way for me to say it's been chaotic. The communication has been horrific. The support that the club enjoyed, even when it was really struggling last season, isn't gone, but it is getting really dark and it is getting really bad. And I'm really interested to see in the match against Cologne this time, the support you see compared to last time these two clubs met. Because if you read anything in the Stuttgart papers, anything on Stuttgart Reddit, Twitter, it's bad. And it's not positive. And the one thing that this club had over the last three years with Sven and Pellegrino, say what you will about the results, is everybody was on the same page. Mm -hmm. The supporters were on the same page. The fans were on the same page. Everybody was on the same page because it seemed like there was a direction. There was something you could identify with. And 
I don't know Veril at all, but it just seems like he has come in and I, I'll end it here. I can't believe that somebody who is as professional as he clearly is, is this poor at communication as it seems to be. And that's coming from a guy who's thousands of miles away and can't speak German, but even I know something's not right right now. And as a Cologne supporter, I can only imagine you're sitting back going, give me some more popcorn because I've been through this before. No, I don't enjoy it, but I I, I just had to laugh because I just imagine you just shouting at the TV, shouting at Vela, just being like, I don't understand what you're saying, like literally. Uh, but no, I, I think um, you uh, really hit the nail on the head with... Um, he's a bad communicator and that made Cologne that was coming off of that long, long ride with um, those club legends like Overath, who's just like a soccer uh, history icon, you know, I just have to say that. Um, but Valle always brought that uh, drama into the club and that was not great. He was not behaving in the best way to bring club and fans together at the Mitgliederversammlung, at the um, meetings with all of the, the member meetings, basically, for the club. So actually seeing him uh, gone, um, didn't, uh, I personally didn't notice it at first, uh, like that it was palpable, but you could kind of tell that it was going smoother. Like even the, the tabloids were running a little smoother. There was not that much drama. And that brought that kind of focus uh, on the club. And with the, well, now we have that Baumgart way, if you want to call it that, I think we're, we're at a, a, well, a little bit more of smooth sailing, especially now that we're out of the DFB Pokal and out of the European competition. Like we can put full focus on the Bundesliga and I think that does very well for, for us and the team. But I mean, even if uh, Stuttgart is a team that is built for, for instance, like a three back line or there, there is some discrepancy between what is played and what is meant to play, um, I have looked a little bit on kicker.de uh, on uh, the statistics and on average uh, Stuttgart gets between 16 and 17 shots on goal uh, in every game uh, in 2023. Now, well, they don't really score that many goals, which is the problem, but, but, and, and this might be maybe that little, uh, uh, whatever that that uh, that little thing to hold on to for all of you guys because cologne has um like an average of six to nine shots on goal we so far in 20 uh 20 uh 2023 we have uh won two games we drew three games well they were against bayern and leipzig and schalke okay uh the other ones i mean bremen was a freak win with seven to one and uh frankfurt uh three to one uh three to zero was fantastic whereas you guys have been uh really on a, a what we call in german durststrecke it's a, a it's a long path of thirst a thirst for win uh the last bundesliga win was in november uh, beginning of november uh so it's been a long time and i don't want don't want to rub it in too much but you're coming from a three game losing streak but uh just seeing that i i think 
especially if you look at Cologne and the game uh, against Schalke, where we had such a terrible time um, playing against them, defending against them, where uh, as shortly before that, a couple of days before that, we almost had Bayern uh, in the game and almost won against them. So Cologne still, you never know uh, how they're going to come up. And I mean, the players just had a carnival break, so that might also work in your favor. So uh, who knows? And uh, I've been listening to one of your um, episodes, the last one actually, and uh, I think it wasn't you, it was one of your, your colleagues there who said about Stuttgart players, when they are desperate, they are playing better. And now that um, Stuttgart is on rank 17 with 16 points, so uh, Schalke is just four points behind you and Hertha BSC is one point above you, I think that desperation might as well kick in. And um, what, what, what is your thought on that? Will it kick in? Yeah, I think it's, it's desperate times. Uh, Bruno Lamadia just changed our goalkeeper from Florian Mueller, who's been the starter for the last two years, two and a half years to Fabian Bredlow, who hasn't, wasn't great in his one season in, with Nuremberg, but things are, are desperate. I think if I, we try to be as positive as we can on our podcast, which has become increasingly difficult as time has gone on. But if there's some things we can hang our hat on, it's this, it's all right, Bruno Labadia has gone through relegation fights before. You know, when he took over Stuttgart the first time, the club was in the exact same place as they are right now, 17. So this isn't something he's not familiar with. The stats aren't terrible for the club. They're, they're, they're running a lot. They're working a lot. They're getting opportunities and chances. So all those things are in the positive you know, direction. They've got talent. Okay, it may be a lot of individual talent, but they have talent. So there's a lot of things here, you know, to use a phrase you used earlier that we can hold on to as to why we have a chance to survive this season. The the problem that we as Stuttgart supporters see, and it'll be interesting to see what we see on the, the match day, is that the same mistakes that were under Pellegrino, we see under Bruno. And when Bruno came in, we were all expecting the coach bounce, which is you know the famous thing that happens over in European soccer, where the new coach comes in and immediately the guys play really well for two, three matches. We haven't had that. So mm-hmm. now we're kind of worried about that. The thing that we're concerned about is that we thought that we would get a very defensive, compact style of play, and we wouldn't see as much offense, but we'd at least stop conceding silly goals. And that hasn't happened. So that's as a Cologne supporter, and that's what we're interested to see as Stuart supporters is, I'm curious if it's starting to get into the guys' heads that something's going to happen. Even Bruno Labadia said it in his last press conference that it's Groundhog Day. It just seems like something always happens, which is not a great thing you want to hear your coach say <laughs> during a press conference. But whether it's Dan Axel Zagadou having two penalty uh, plays in the same game or it's Florian Mueller letting in a just howler from from distance whatever it is every single game there's an individual mistake that for whatever reason we can't make up for and I think it's exacerbated by the fact we're playing a little bit more of a defensive style so we have less chances than we had previously and I think previously what none of us realized is that maybe we played this very aggressive style under Pellegrino because he knew our defense wasn't that good. 
And so we had to create chances because we knew we were going to give up a goal. So we had to create enough chances to score at least two. You know, it was the old, the famous, you know, the old Gladbach line, right? You'll score three, but we'll score four. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concern now is because we're playing a little bit more defensive. We're not getting as many opportunities to make up for those mistakes. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens on, on Saturday. I think we have the talent to compete with a Cologne. The difference is we just, and it sounds so cliche to say this, we don't have the lock right now. It's just whenever something can go south. And I think as a Cologne supporter, what I would say is it'll be really interesting to see because the guys should come out super strong in the first 10, 15 minutes. And the last few matches they have, and they just haven't been able to put in the ball in the back of the net. After those first 15, 20 minutes, I'll be interested to see how the momentum of the game shifts. Is Stuttgart continuing to put on the pressure or do they start to wilt a bit? And do you see this problem that you see with a lot of relegation teams? You saw it the one year Cologne was relegated. I've seen it two years with Stuttgart. Is that as the game goes on, the sense of belief starts to dissipate and starts to drain a bit. And that's where, as a Stuttgart supporter, I'm starting to get a little concerned um, because then the whistles come out from the crowd and then the guys start to bow their heads. So I'm glad we're playing Cologne and we have Schalke the next week because these are two clubs that we think we have a chance against. Um, And like Austin said on the podcast, you never know what kind of Cologne you're going to get. I think our biggest hope is that there's a hangover <laughs> that you guys have. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, we made a joke on our podcast that maybe this is the win for Veril. Well, we could start doing a hashtag win for Veril. The guys rally around Veril that he's been mistreated by the public, and this is what they do to show that he's the right guy. So, okay, I've been saving that, uh, but now I have to bring it up because I think this is. I saw this um, online. Uh, it was the information sent out today to all of the traveling fans. We have uh, 4,500 Cologne fans traveling to Stuttgart, which is also amazing. But it says that there is no dressing up in carnival costumes allowed that covers the face. From your chin, to your forehead, nothing can be covered by uh, the costume that you wear or anything else that covers it. Also, you're not allowed to paint your face. Uh, If you have a face paint on, like even the slightest thing, you won't be let into the stadium. Also, you're not allowed to be more drunk than uh, 1.4 per mil, which I think is actually quite a high goal i wonder if any of the away game fans are going to try to just get to 1.3 you know to just blow into that thing it's like okay may i just go uh but i i do have a feeling like this is this is also the doing of valor he's uh he put all of that in in place to take the carnival joy from us uh that (laughs) that is my thought you mentioned that earlier when we were talking off the air and so i tried to look it up and Maybe this is a viral thing. I couldn't find much reasoning before it. I, the only thing I could think is I can understand the mask. It's probably a security issue. Uh, you want to make sure that you know, you can identify wrongdoers if something, you know, God forbid, does happen. The face paint, I don't understand at all. That makes no sense to me. And the 
alcohol limit is completely bizarre because the couple matches I've gone to, you've seen the pictures of people walking by with eight beers in a hand. I have been the guy walking by with eight beers in hand. Right, they've got the German contraption where you can carry eight beers, and where in the United States, I think you can only get two, you know, because you you can only get you know to prove that you've got them. So those are the two things I find somewhat ridiculous. It's it's not like these are two clubs that have a history of of fan violence, to my knowledge. So I don't, I understand the first one. There's probably a security issue. You don't want people showing up with full masks. The face paint thing blows me. I don't understand that in the slightest. It, I When I looked it up, the first thing that came up was rules in Qatar for the World Cup. Mm-hmm. That's what came up. And I was like, huh, I don't know if it's a good idea if we're starting to copy guidelines from Qatar. Never a good idea. No. Yeah. But that's the uh, that's the direction that we're going in. I mean, that old uh, money-grabbing grandpa, Hoonis, uh, is... Uh, demanding striking down 50 uh, plus one rule uh, left and right. So who knows how that's going to be. But uh, let's go back to the game. Um, we haven't talked about referees. Uh, somebody who I actually don't really uh, associate with anything like pro-Cologne against Cologne. There are clearly some refs who we like more, we like less or vice versa uh we're gonna have cortus as the main ref uh who i have to say i feel kind of neutral about but felix brich is gonna be the video assist um so let's see how that goes what is your guess for the game i think we've had a rough go with officials the last couple matches you know bruno labadia went off on var after the two penalty kicks Hannes talked about it on our last podcast about mm-hmm. how one was probably legit but the other one was quite questionable and i felt for you yeah you just felt yeah you just said the words dr felix brick and any stuttgart supporter just even those that are sleeping right now just woke up crying because we we just don't have we don't have good luck um with that guy hopefully but he's in the basement in Cologne. So hopefully that'll help us out a little bit. Uh, If you're asking me for a prediction for this one, everybody on our podcast predicted Cologne to take this one. We're just, we're in a really bad place right now. We don't, I, we don't know what we have. And I think that's one of the frustrating things is that with Baumgart, you know what you guys are going to do. You mentioned it earlier. You almost can nail down exactly your lineup and your tactics. When we had Pellegrino Monterazzo, it was the same thing. You know, there's something to be said for flexibility. I get it. But there's also something to be said for staying true to who you are. We're not sure who we are right now. You know, we're transitioning from a back three to a back four. We're transitioning from kind of a counterattack team to a long ball team. Transitioning from more of a finesse team to more of a rough and tumble team. The problem is I think we have the players that play all the things I said first. And then we don't have the players that can play all the things I said second. I think the Bundesliga is awesome because you never know what's going to happen. You know, Cologne can almost beat Bayern. Stuttgart drew with Bayern earlier this season. So you never know what's going to happen. But if you were going to ask me right now, like you are, what I think the result is going to be, I think Stuttgart changing their goalkeeper is a huge move. And I'm not going to put everything on Florian Mueller that it's his fault. Like, maybe uh, with Timo Horn years ago with you guys. It's not like it's all his fault. It's not. If this doesn't work, 
I don't know what other arrow we have in our quiver to rally the team and get them going again. So we're desperate for a result. So desperation sometimes leads to really good play. I don't, I don't know how we get a result out of this. I just, I don't know it. I think you guys play so fast and you counter so quick and you know exactly what you're doing and there's no thinking. You just go, go, go. We don't, we're thinking. And Mm -hmm. that split second difference was responsible for two of the penalty kicks last match. And I don't know how we overcome that right now. And I think it's the Schalke match is our season next week. On, on the road there because we don't beat them then i don't know how we do it. and if you look at the rest of stuttgart's schedule it's rough so yeah that's a long way for me to say uh, we're going to beat you guys 17 to 0 well you said that stuttgart is uh starting games strong and they they have that ambition they have that fire and then if that is met with equal or greater uh, force from the opponent that it dies down quickly. I think that is something that Stuttgart might have a problem with because Cologne is also a strong game starter unless we do a freak uh, terrible defending um, in the first two to three minutes. That can always happen where they are still a little sleepy. Well, given that it was carnival, the carnival factor can actually come into play, uh, which I wouldn't be surprised by. But I do think um, comparing the two teams, uh, Cologne is currently the stronger team. I I, I mean, everything that you said is really like, yeah, that is the season uh, or the seasons uh, before Baumgart came in. It was the uh, 30th minute, nothing really works, not really an idea, and you feel kind of helpless as a player. And then the shoulders uh, start hanging, and then the heads start hanging, and then they don't run as much, and all of that. I think that self-esteem, uh, when that goes missing, and there is not that communication between coaching staff and and uh uh, club or, or um, the, the the players, well, then you don't have good communication and you don't have that trust. And I think that trust is there. And I think that's why, from my point of view, I think Cologne is going to win. But I think it's not going to be a clear win. We're not going to steamroll you. I, I don't think that is going to happen. Um, because we're still in that process of developing a team that is really stable, you know, that that really knows and that really has control of the game and that can take control of the game. We're not there yet. Uh, so that that is why it's always understandable that we drew or that we often then, uh, then lose. I mean, of course, yeah, like we haven't lost all year. Great. But I'm prepared that that's going to happen, and it might happen tomorrow on on Saturday. But again, I am a little uh, worried about the number of uh, shots on goal or shots that that Stuttgart takes per game because that can actually be the thing uh, if Jeff Chabot is not having another killer game tomorrow where he can can deal with all of that. So we'll see. But it could be uh, like you said, I. I've predicted a 2-0 victory for Cologne. But like I said, we try to be as positive as we can. And I do believe that Stuttgart's going to come out the first 15, 20 minutes on fire. I think they're Mm -hmm. going to come out 
just fired up, ready to go. And then it'll be interesting to see what they do after that 20. The biggest thing I can say for this group is that they don't give up. Whether it was under Pellegrino or, or whether it was under Bruno, they're kind of in a band of brothers, to use a World War II reference, together. And they just don't give up. And so this team is going to fight and is going to claw for the entire 90 minutes. Now, if we don't see that, then I think the writing's on the wall for the rest of the season. You know, But that is the one thing that this club has had for three years. These guys just don't give up. And we've had a number of late results because of that. So as a Stuttgart supporter trying to be positive, you don't know what kind of cologne you're going to have that's going to show up. They do have that little bit of hangover that might happen. You've got a team in Stuttgart that is getting opportunities and is just waiting for some of those opportunities to actually go into the net. Um, so there's, an, there's a chance here. I mean, and as a Cologne supporter, you're always worried about fighting a, what do they call it, a, a wounded dog, right? You don't know this what this club is going to throw at you. I would feel a lot better if you started Timo Horn as opposed to Schweba. That guy always seems to get a kicker rating of one against us. It'll be an interesting match to see. We've got a, fight, a puncher's chance, and that's all you can ask. And uh, it's crazy how the Bundesliga is, right? If we get a result in that match, all of a sudden the, the skies are clearing up, it's blue, we can see a path towards survival, and things are working out. So, you know, hopefully we can uh, ruin your guys' streak of being unbeaten in 2023 <laughs> to see if we can get the skies a little bluer on our end at least. Let's see. Tomorrow will tell. We will know more. Um, I think those are good last words to to end this episode uh thank you very much for uh looking at stuttgart's uh season so far this was a little bit more uh focus on stuttgart but i think it's also interesting to talk about the the opponent that we're meeting uh and especially if they're in such a interesting and somehow all too familiar uh situation as we were in the last seasons with that said uh i still hope uh that the club kind of turns it around, avoids relegation, and that the uh, 130th year of the club's existence is somewhat enjoyable and a reason to celebrate, because it would be a shame if that were a relegation year. That would not be... I mean, it's still a traditional club, right? So why why be mad or why be mean to each other? So Right, we can be in this together. Although I will say the last time we had an anniversary, the 125th anniversary of Valve Bay Stuttgart, well... We were relegated then too. <laughs> All right. Well, Travis, um, then I would say thank you very much. Uh, anything that you would like to tell the listeners before we head out? No, it was uh, thanks so much for having us on. You guys do great work. It's always fun to ro root for the Billy Goats. I hope the uh, Hennis supporters that are over in Cologne right now are enjoying Carnival, are tucked safely in bed as we record this. It's kind of late over there. And uh, now these are two great clubs with great histories. It's impossible not to root for each other. So, you know, hopefully we both get a win tomorrow somehow. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're in bed because, I uh, as I heard, they have to get up really early to get on the bus to drive to, to Stuttgart, which is going to be a blast. And I can't wait to uh, to see photos and uh, read what they what they say, how it was, how their experience was anyway. Thank you very much. And with that, we have reached the end of this episode. 
Again, thanks to Travis for joining me. Uh, listen to VfB Stuttgart Americana on Spotify and you can read about the OFC, the official fan club, on VfB Stuttgart, that is S-T-U-T-T-G-A-R-T Americana.com and you can find them on Twitter and the handle is VfB, that is V-F-B Americana. If you have not listened to previous episodes of FC Uval, I highly recommend that you check them out. They are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. If you have a question, a suggestion, or a comment, or are a fan out there who would like to be on the show, reach out to me. The email address is fcuval at gmail.com or write to me via Twitter. The handle is fcuval. That is it for now. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the game. And as they say in Cologne, Mardiot, Evanitz, off. And as always, 